We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 107 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Got a packed show today as we answer the question, who is the greatest Gamecock of all time? I'll go through your voicemails, your tweets, responses on Instagram, and I'll also give my answer on who I think the greatest Gamecock of all time is. Also have some news and notes to get to your listener questions and a fantastic interview with former Gamecock shortstop Joey Pancake as we break down his South Carolina career, professional career, and much, much more. It's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket buying app by far, the only ticket buying app I use. Go download SeatGeek right now or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP to save $10 off your first purchase. They have tickets to literally anything and everything you can think of or any tickets that you would need, whether it be South Carolina Gamecock sporting events. Maybe you're in Omaha and you want to catch some of the College World Series. Maybe you're getting your Gamecocks football tickets early, concerts, comedy club events, you name it. doesn't have to be sports. They have got it for you guys. They actually have a great ticket rating system where they rate the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So you know if you're getting a really, really good deal, if you're getting a steal on the tickets, you know if you're overpaying a little bit. You actually know what you're going to get before you click the buy button, which is a huge relief when you're online and trying to buy tickets. So again, please go download SeatGeek or go to SeatGeek.com. When you do, go use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $10 off your first purchase. All right, let's get into it. Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always, coming to you guys. Very, very excited for today's show. Obviously, I posed a question um, earlier this week on social media that I want to get to. First off, obviously, as you all know already by now, you're hearing me at a different time slot. This show being released on Wednesday. Um, I made the announcement Monday morning. Obviously, it's funny. I was sitting there Sunday night getting ready to record and realized there really wasn't a whole lot to talk about, really, if anything. I'm just kind of a guy where – there's only so much you can talk about in recruiting and only so much we can guess where a kid's going and who visited and what they said and things like that. And obviously we are hitting the, really the peak of the off season, if you will. I, I think I, or I know I saw a, uh, I saw a poll on social media of a Georgia, Georgia uh, radio station basically asking, you know, the question, would Georgia fans take a non-lethal shot to the thigh, gunshot to the thigh to guarantee a national title. So sports people are reaching for, 
things to talk about right now. There's not a lot going on. I mean, again, we're in the middle of the offseason. We're peak offseason. Things will pick back up in July. This is something that's subject to change at any point because news comes up, things come up. Obviously, what I'm talking about is that the Spurs Up show being just one episode per week. Obviously, we used to be one episode per week, then switched over to two episodes per week, which I really, really like and think is going well. But just for right now, I don't want to have shows where it's only five or ten minutes of me talking and then a guest interview. I just don't think that is that show has a lot of substance, if you will, for you guys. I don't think it's a very good listen. So right now, again, I think it's only going to be two or three weeks or so just because in two or three weeks we're going to be a week before SEC media days and things are going to really, really start to pick up in July. But at least for this week and probably the next week or so, I'm going to be doing just one show per week. I just think that's a lot better because, again, there's not a ton to talk about right now, which led me to come up with the topic of today's show. And I'm so glad I was able to do so because one of the things I like to do on the show, one of my favorite things to do, obviously, not only speak with guests, but get fans involved, hear from fans, hear you guys' feedback and opinions. And I posed the question on social media earlier this week, and it got a great response. First off, all the fans that did respond and went out of their way to leave voicemails or respond to the tweet or respond on Instagram. Thank you so much. I do appreciate it. A um, lot of good responses. Uh, the question I posed was simply this, who is the greatest Gamecock of all time? Now, someone asked me a very interesting question. Does it have to be an athlete? I said, no, I, whoever you think is the greatest, most influential Gamecock of all time, leave that. And there were a lot of interesting responses. I want to start with the voicemails. So basically, I'm going to start with the voicemails, go through the tweets, the responses, and then I'll give mine who I think is the greatest Gamecock of all time and obviously give my reasons for why. Um, so we'll start from the vo with the voicemails. This right here is from Alex Humphreys. Alex, a very uh, adamant follower of us. Alex, appreciate you leaving the voicemail. Let's go ahead and get to Alex's voicemail here. All right, this is Alex from Twitter. Uh, you know, in response to the best Gamecock that's ever put on the uniform, not the sexiest position, but I'm going to say Elliot Fry, kicker. Uh, you know, guy was automatic from inside the 50. Countless games that he won in overtime and regular time, just off of his leg. So, my vote goes to Elliot Fry. All right, Alex, appreciate you, the voicemail, my man. Uh, very interesting response. I don't think – I think Elliot Fry is certainly an off-the-wall response, if you will. Um, I like it. I mean, I like, you know, friend of our friend of the show, obviously we'll have to let Elliot know that you uh, put that vote of confidence for him. But uh, you know, I, I, I think Elliot's a good one. Listen, there are no bad responses in this. Whoever you think is the greatest game cock of all time, I am not one to judge. So very interesting one, definitely off the wall, but, uh, but yeah, uh, very, uh, you know, very interesting for sure. All right, let's get to our next voicemail here. Not sure who it's from. When you call in and leave a voicemail, by the way, guys, leave your name. So I know, who it is calling in so I can give you credit and give you a shout out or whatever. Anyway, anyways, let's get to our next voicemail here. You asked on your Instagram page who the greatest Gamecock of all time is. There's only one answer. Connor Shaw, number 14. The guy played an SEC championship game. He never lost to Clemson. He has the winningest record as a starting quarterback at Carolina, and he threw the fewest amount of interceptions. And plus he led back, uh, three back-to-back-to-back. 11 and two seasons winning each of his bowl games. I don't think it's any question. I mean, if he would have won a national championship here, my money's on the fact that he would have been in a Heisman conversation because Connor Shaw was that good. But I don't, I don't see how an argument could be made for anybody other than Connor Shaw, but that's just my opinion. Go Cox. 
All right. Appreciate the voicemail, my man. Uh, yeah, I think that one's going to be a very, very popular answer. I mean, again, Connor Shaw, what he did at South Carolina, never lost at Williams-Brice Stadium, leading South Carolina to those 11-2 and two seasons. Only thing you said he didn't do was play in the SEC championship game. That was actually our boy Steven Garcia. Uh, so definitely want to give him his credit there. But, yeah, Connor Shaw, what he did in his career, um, leading South Carolina to that magical stretch from 2011 to 2013, there's no doubt in anybody's mind. Without a doubt, even if he's not the great, you know, even if you don't think he's the greatest Gamecock of all time, very, very arguable that he is the greatest South Carolina Gamecock football player of all time. And I think it's extremely arguable. And I actually, I don't think it's arguable. He is the greatest Gamecock quarterback to ever live, the greatest Gamecock quarterback of all time to this point. All right, let's get into our last voicemail. Kind of a lengthy one. I already know who this is coming from. Um, our guy on Twitter, throw it in the dirt. I don't know your actual name, of course, because it's social media and everything's wacky there. So throw it in the dirt. Appreciate you leaving this voicemail. Kind of lengthy, like I said, but let's get into it here. Hey, the um, greatest Gamecock thing. I, uh, I realize it's kind of easy to say someone like George Rogers or Connor Shaw or even Alshon Jeffrey because it's just the significance that games they played in and the awards they got, like George Rogers, half to the game. But I'd actually have to say someone more like Michael Ross. And this is more because Michael Ross started in 2010, you know, his sophomore year, as a specialist reliever, meaning I'm pretty sure he had like 10 innings pitched going into that start against Clemson did the semifinals. And he pitched a heck of a gym complete game I think they had like two hits and so he has I believe he had one other start I think he started the very last game that year I can't really remember um but the next year he goes 14 and three leads his back through the winner's bracket doesn't drop a single game during uh the tournament or non-conference he's 14 and three uh had a 107 era just his his stats were just off the charts and i can honestly say without him we don't win back-to-back national championships i mean you can give cooper another year and even sam dyson another year and we may still win in 2010, but we don't win again in 2011. With that and what he has for a little while did after his playing career with with USC, there were times that he would come back and do little press junkets. Uh, that's the that's the only hesitation I have with some of these other players. They've kind of left USC and haven't really returned and done things. And I haven't heard Shaw doing anything for quite a while. Um, on that edge, you know, people like Lattimore and George Rogers are clearly winners because George still, uh, he comes to every single game. He, uh, I think he has that pro-am that he is a huge participant of. There's a lot for the city, the state, and the university, as does Morris Labor now being the uh, um, 
coordinator for the players or wherever he is. But all right, so the voicemail ended. I apologize about that. The max voicemail length you can leave is three minutes. I know you were talking to me about that on social media. I do apologize about that. But anyways, made a lot of good points. Obviously said Michael Roth, the greatest Gamecock of all time. I think that's certainly one that can be debated as well. Um, mentioned Marcus Lattimore. Mentioned George Rogers. Those are some that were mentioned a lot as well. Made a lot of good points about Michael Roth's stats, what he did for South Carolina as far as leading them to two national titles. Um you know, what he did statistically in 2011, I mean, was the best pitcher in college baseball, in my opinion, to be honest. One of the fun things about this, guys, it's very interesting to hear, because everybody loves football, obviously, but there's some people that maybe love baseball more than normal or love basketball or love, you know, whatever. So to get the different perspectives, if you will, on the reasons people think who's the best Gamecock of all time, stuff like that. I, I just thought it was very, very interesting. So, um, all right, I'm going to go through Twitter here, just kind of read off some of the responses. Jacob Mack, George Rogers, period, is what he said. Will Huffstetler, Connor Shaw, uh, Gene Fields, Jackie Bradley Jr. Chad says, talent-wise, there's only three options, in my opinion. Clowney, Big George, and Shannon, or, uh, Sterling Sharp. almost said Shannon Sharp. Sterling Sharp. Um, Donnie Lucas replies with a gif of Asia Wilson. That's a really good response, I think. Uh, uh, kind of an almost an underrated response, if you will. Chase said George Rogers. Aiken SC Gamecock at Gamecock Aiken um, says Connor Shaw. Chip Atkinson says George Rogers and Alex English throwing some, some basketball love there. I like the Alex English answer. Um, Justin Moore says Asia Wilson. I don't think anyone has accomplished as much as her. Um, that is definitely up for debate, and, you know, you might have a point there. Um, Richard Hurtow, I'm sorry, sorry if I'm saying your last, last name wrong, Richard Herto. Um, Steve Tannehill, bro, never disrespect the mullet. Uh, definitely agree there. Jordan Duncan replies with a gif of Connor Shaw swag walking it over and dapping up Dylan Thompson, which we all love. Not a bad response there at all either. David R. Weiss replies with a gif of Jadavion Clowney. Uh, be cocky. Never been a more dominating Gamecock than Big George. I was young, but he was a man amongst boys. Uh, Daniel McKenzie, Lattimore got more respect from people of every fan base than anyone else. Clowney was the most powerful. Shaw was the best collegiate level player we ever had. Uh, I enjoyed DJ Swearinger and Vic Hampton as much as any of them. Um, let's see, Cockwalk on at, at RBD90. On paper, got to be Clowney, but I think Shaw is a fan favorite. George won the Heisman as well, so it is tough. Agree, this is a very tough question, no doubt about that. Um, let's see, Roscoe Jenkins says, um, does this pertain to just football or does it include all sports? If it's all sports, then it's Asia Wilson, and it's not close. Um, Kenneth Henderson says, Big George, no doubt. So, a lot of good responses on Twitter, um, which I appreciate. Want to get to the responses on Instagram as well. Um, let's fly through these here. J.S. Jerry. J.S. Jerry says, Harris Pastides. I saw a couple of those as well. Really, really good responses. Everybody loves Pastides, obviously. Um, Williams Electrical, 1394. Marcus Lattimore. Anthony J. J. Floyd, Clowney, um, A.J. Bowers underscore 11, either George Rogers or Sterling Sharp, no cap, no cap indeed. Um, cap in Kankle, Connor Shaw, Jordan underscore White, 246, Connor Shaw, Snack underscore Boy, Whit Merrifield, uh, Blazer underscore Ball, Gazer, uh, Marcus Lattimore, or George Rogers. Uh, Nick Steady, Marcus Lattimore, wish I could think of one more, one more clever, but he was the greatest. Josh Harley, 95. Got to give it to George Rogers. Thanks to him, we can still hold that Heisman over. Clem sucks, indeed. Um, Tucker underscore Crenshaw. George Rogers, definitely, or Clowney. 
Colby Tucker, five. Connor Shaw, Brennan underscore Smith, 47. Tory Gurley, our guy Tory Gurley getting a vote. Um, Spin underscore Jordan Lattimore or Garcia. First vote for Garcia there. Not a lot of Steven Garcia votes. It's kind of disappointing. Um, capped underscore way Marcus Lattimore for the on field for on the field and after his football career class act forever to thee. Bubblehorn 74, Connor Shaw, Ben Smitty 2017, Devin Downey. That's a name that's uh first time I've seen it. Uh, Neil Gurley, Marcus Lattimore on and off the field. So that was all the responses. I, again, I really do appreciate it guys. I think a lot of good responses. I think no bad answers there. I just think whoever it's, Whoever you think it is, especially. I mean, it really – whoever you think is deserving of the honor is deserving of the honor. Now, I, I want to get to who I believe is the greatest Gamecock of all time, in my personal opinion. And there's a lot of things that go into this for me. I went back and forth, obviously, like many of you probably did as well. To me, the thing that I was looking for the most is who was the athlete that not only – that one, changed the entire culture of South Carolina, but not only – impacted his or her own sport but impacted all sports across USC that that to me was really the thing that I was looking for and I kept going back and forth back and forth with a couple of different guys and I'll go ahead and spoil it for you now he's a baseball player he is a baseball player um, I know that might throw some people for a loop because there obviously were a lot of football answers um, which again rightfully so I mean I, I think there are a lot of those are good answers to me though in my opinion the greatest single Gamecock of all time is Michael Roth. And I didn't want to spoil it earlier because obviously our caller uh, called in, left the voicemail with the Michael Roth stuff. To me, Michael Roth is the greatest Gamecock of all time. And I'll tell you why. Obviously, we know the credentials, the statistics. We know the national titles. Led South Carolina to their first national title in 2010. Had the complete gym, complete game gym against Clemson. Um, that really kept South Carolina's season alive and kept them going. Followed it up with, you know, the caller mentioned earlier, led South Carolina to the national title in 2011, was the best pitcher, in my opinion, in college baseball um, by far. Led them back to Omaha again in 2012 to the College World Series final. Beyond that, though, because those are just on-the-field things. Off the field, also Michael Roth, a fantastic dude, a guy that's very well-rounded, very humble, a guy that's a friend of the show, has been on the show just a fantastic guy represented the university of South Carolina in the, in the proper way and in the best possible way throughout his entire career and still does to this day for a fact. But the reason to me that Michael Roth is the greatest Gamecock of all time again is because he and his team's success went beyond baseball. Because if you notice South Carolina's run of football, the, the football run, 2011 to 2013, you can throw 2010 in there. South Carolina won the SEC East, obviously, in 2010. I really feel like the, the people undersell the domino effect that was felt from baseball winning the national title. And I think it went to all sports because that was South Carolina's first national title in a major sport. In a, in a sport outside of, I believe, track and equestrian, and if there's another one, I apologize for not uh, not remembering it, but those were the main two. South Carolina's baseball national title in 2010 was the first national title for a major sport, for the one of the big three at South Carolina. And again, I really feel like there was a domino effect where South Carolina's athletics administrations, it spread to football and basketball, different sports. The mindset finally set in that, you know what, we can do this. We believe at South Carolina – 
we can win national titles. We can win championships at South Carolina. I think I really truly – listen, would South Carolina have won the SEC East in 2010 anyway? Would it have changed anything about the 2010 season if – you know, if South Carolina baseball loses to UCLA in the national title, does it change anything about the 2010 football season for South Carolina? Not necessarily. That, that We can't say that for a fact it would have. But I just think across the entire administration, I really do truly believe the impact of that 2010 national championship for South Carolina baseball was felt not only inside of the baseball program. I think it was felt across the University of South Carolina athletics. I, I really do feel like – there was a domino effect that truly led to what we saw football do, what we saw basketball do at times as well, what we just saw across the board for South Carolina Gamecocks athletics. Now, you might be asking yourself as well, well, how can you say it's Michael Roth? You could say it's Whit Merrifield. You could say it's Jackie Bradley Jr. I, like I said, I went back and forth on this because there are different guys, in my opinion, that, you know, South Carolina wouldn't have won the national title in 2010 without Jackie Bradley Jr. That is a fact. No doubt in anyone's opinion. No doubt, excuse me, no doubt in anyone's mind, that is a fact. If, Jackie, if JBJ doesn't get that two-out, two-strike hit against Oklahoma, that national title never happens. But to me, the reason I gave the, the nod to Michael Roth, not only would South Carolina not won the national title in 2010 without Michael Roth when he pitched a complete game against Clemson, kept South Carolina alive in that, and it, you know, kept them going in the loser's bracket, not a chance. I do agree. Not a chance South Carolina wins the national title in 2011 without Michael Roth pitching every Friday night. I just don't believe they do. And get back to Omaha again in 2012 and get to the College World Series final. Um, also, again, you have to talk about, again, off the field, what Michael Roth has done, went to the MLB level, pitched for the Angels. And, again, what he continues to do, stays very involved. He's with the Greenville Gamecock Club a lot, I know for a fact. And, again, as a guy that represented the University of South Carolina and continues to represent the University of South Carolina, very, very well. I mean, is, is, is an awesome dude. If you've never met Michael Roth, he's a fantastic guy. He's an awesome dude. Um, so, yeah, in my personal opinion, again, there are a lot of good answers. There are a lot of good selections. But to me, Michael Roth, simply put, is the greatest Gamecock of all time. It, it really is. I, I just Because, again, I just truly feel like the impact of that national title that they won in 2010 – that Michael Roth really, you know, helped lead South Carolina to and then led in 2011. I just feel like the success of the baseball program, really, um, the success of the baseball program really spread to all other sports and really helped all the, the, the South – it really helped South Carolina Gamecocks fans, first of all, and the South Carolina Gamecocks administration truly believe you know, because it had always been a pipe dream. It really had. It had been a pipe dream at South Carolina. We're trying to win titles. We're trying to win titles. I think it really helped everyone believe and really buy into, we can win titles here. We can do it. It can be achieved. Look at the baseball team. It can be achieved. Winning national champ. And I still think it's looked at that way to this day. I mean, I still think that impact is still being felt. Maybe not quite as much as it was before because, you know, every, with every single year we're getting farther and farther and farther, you know, away from those national championships. But I truly feel like, you know, if you ask me right now, can South Carolina football, can South Carolina basketball, can they win the national championship? I look back and say, look at South Carolina baseball. Baseball was able to do it. I, it, it can be done here. It can be done. And I know that was something specifically that was, that was referenced um, – by maybe Steve Spurrier, but I know many others as well. That was something that was referenced right after South Carolina baseball won that national championship. So to me, again, 
the only reason I didn't go with JBJ or Whit Merrifield is simply because those guys, you know, they won it in 2010 and because of the draft, because of eligibility, whatever, they were done with their South Carolina careers. Michael Roth came back, led South Carolina to another national championship in 2011 and getting back to Omaha in 2012, getting all the way to the College World Series final. People, people really – it's funny. People just kind of forget 2012 happened. That I mean, South Carolina went – they could have won three straight national championships. They were two games away from winning three straight national titles. The 2012 season should not be undersold with how great and how successful it was. Um, so, again, that's, that's just me, though. To me, Michael Roth, the greatest Gamecock of all time. I do want to say my number two, though. I do want to say, just for those people wondering, my number two, very, very close behind, it is George Rogers. It is Big George, in my opinion. And, and the reason for me is simply this. George Rogers – and I know people are going to say, well, what about Asia Wilson? What about, you know, and Asia Wilson is one of the best Gamecocks of all time. One of the greatest Gamecocks. She's getting her own statue outside of Colonial Life Arena. Well-deserved. One of the greatest Gamecocks of all time. But, I, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Asia Wilson. And I feel like people are going to try to spin this as, as something so negative the way I'm saying it. But you have to think about the stage someone is on. And, you know, women's basketball, where, where, where does it really sit in the hierarchy for Gamecock fans? Let, let's just be completely honest and frank in the conversation. I know South Carolina fans like women's basketball a lot more than normal college fans do just because of the success that Dawn Staley and that program has had. And it's fantastic to see. I'm 110% a fan. But when I'm ranking the greatest Gamecocks of all time and I have to split hairs and come up with reasons to put someone else ahead of someone, that's something that comes up. What type of stage are you on? Really, what type of stage are you on? What type of spotlight are you in? And that's the only thing to me that keeps – listen, I think Asia Wilson's probably on the Mount Rushmore of Gamecocks. If we did a Mount Rushmore of Gamecocks, which might be a fantastic topic for ne next week's show, not to spoil it, but if we did a Mount Rushmore of Gamecocks, Asia Wilson has to be up there for sure. But my number two greatest Gamecock is George Rogers. I just think simply, you know – when you look at George Rogers, his career, I mean, listen, you can break it down in one sentence why he is. He achieved the single greatest individual award an athlete on any level can achieve, any level. And this goes, I mean, listen, high school, college, professional, winning the Heisman Trophy. It is greater than any honor you can get at any level and really in any other sport as well. No award is revered as much as the Heisman Trophy is. So for South Carolina to have a Heisman Trophy winner, and again, it's about when you're talking about the greatest of all time, you're talking about the GOAT. To me, it's more so about not just what that person did at South Carolina, but did, does that person still have a lasting impact? Does what they did at South Carolina still have a lasting impact to this day? To me, I talked about Michael Roth and why that still has a lasting impact, in my opinion, the way it impacted it went across all sports. George Rogers, Listen, the Heisman Trophy is in the new operations facility. George Rogers is every single game. That Heisman Trophy will never, ever go away. And, I mean, you talk about making a lasting impact. That Heisman Trophy will never go away. Um, so, you know, I, I, that's why I would put George Rogers number two. Again, it, it's, you know, we could, put, we could do a 1A, 1B conversation. To me, Michael Roth are the greatest George Rogers number two. And, again, simply the reason number two single greatest individual achievement an athlete can achieve. That's really the better way to put it. Greatest achievement any athlete can achieve winning the Heisman Trophy. Big George, no doubt. Um, all right, so fantastic conversation. Again, I, like I said, one of my favorite things to do, not only interviewing guests, but 
having interaction with fans. And again, I appreciate all the fans that left the voicemails, um, respond to the tweet, you know, responses on Instagram. If you didn't leave a voicemail, leave voicemails. They're fun. I mean, we, we, you know, I'm planning on having that, you know, I kind of took a break from the voicemail simply because not a lot of interaction. I think they're going to be better for football season. Obviously love the voicemails though. Love to hear from you guys and love having you on the show and answering questions and having embracing debate. It's a lot of fun. So, um, definitely think we might be doing this again next week as well because again we're in the off season we got to kill some time somehow right um all right let's get into some news and notes real quickly on the football front defensive back elijah rogers is coming back home he announced via social media with a video um blacksburg south Carolina native he played his football at blacksburg high school he's a he was he was a three-star recruit out of high school is going to be walking on at south carolina actually spent his first year in indiana and then transferred to gardner webb People were asking me, how many years of eligibility does he have left? How many years does he have playing left? Stuff like that. I had to do a little bit of digging with this guy. Um, transferred to Gardner-Webb. Played in seven games. Did not record a stat, which is hard to believe. Um, but he was a freshman at Gardner-Webb. Obviously played in seven games. He will be a sophomore at South Carolina. And as I understand, unless something crazy happens, he's going to have three years left of eligibility. I'm sure he'll have four years to play three or something like that. But – um, honestly, not sure what you're going to get, going to really get out of Rogers. I mean, I think if, if nothing else, you're getting secondary depth with South Carolina is still in the process of building on without a doubt, but, uh, good to see Elijah Rogers come home again, obviously a guy, three-star recruited to high school, didn't have a ton of big time offers, um, coming out of high school, but again, good to see him come back home and again, give the Gamecocks some depth in the secondary. Um, also another football note, Desmond or Desmond Tisdall drops his top five sticking with recruiting. Um, his top five, Auburn, Georgia Tech, South Carolina, Kentucky, and Florida. I talked with Desmond Tisdall and really just kind of talked about, I really thought that this one, I think he's probably going to go to Auburn. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the running back out of Rochelle, Georgia, I think he's probably going to go to Auburn. Um, that's what he's predicted to go. Again, he's a four-star running back 2020 class out of Wilcox County high school, um, you know, a guy that, again, South Carolina, if you miss out on him, I don't think it's a huge miss. The Gamecocks have already got Marshawn Lloyd knocked down. I think I'm still thinking they're going to get Tank Bigsby. Um, and it'd be interesting because some people are freaking out thinking Tank, Big Tank Bigsby is going to go to Auburn. Do you think Tank Bigsby and Desmond Tisdall are both going to go to Auburn? I mean, it's, it, it's funny. It's all guesswork right now. Everybody's trying to figure out where everybody's going. But uh, South Carolina does make his top five. I think the Gamecocks, you know, have a chance. But I think he's going to Auburn either way. Um, baseball news. Ridge Chapman signs with the Angels. He signed with them late Friday. 34th round selection. Ridge Chapman decides to sign. I think just very, very intriguing there. I talked about a couple weeks ago or last week maybe it was that, you know, how it really spoke volumes that Ridge Chapman was taken in the 34th round um, when he only pitched one weekend the entire season. He pitched against Liberty and did not pitch again. That, that really showed that, you know, scouts think very highly of his talent when he is healthy. They think very highly of his velocity. And Ridge Chapman's signing to me really spoke volumes in regards to he does not think he can come back to college and stay healthy for a year. I just – I think that's really what it showed you because, you know, he was a junior this year, could come back for his senior season, you know, be healthy, pitch a ton of innings. I think what it shows to me is he's a guy that – just does not believe he can come back and stay healthy. Because if he were to have the same injury happen his senior year, he would be out of luck. Nobody would be drafting him uh, because you're a senior. You know, you're going to take whatever. You have all the leverage in your junior season. So don't blame him at all, obviously. I mean, don't blame him. I'm sure he didn't get life-changing money or anything. But 
there are no guarantees when you get drafted in baseball. There are no guarantees when you come back. You're going to be drafted again. And I just think with his injury history, obviously he's a guy that, you know, has had a terrible injury history. I mean, there's no question. He has battled injuries his entire South Carolina career. But, uh, yeah, I mean, tough to see him go. Would have loved to see him come back to South Carolina and just, you know, it's a shame we didn't get to see him pitch. I mean, as much talent as he has, obviously, it's just a real shame we didn't get to see him pitch. But overall, um, you know, good for Rich Chapman. Good for Rich Chapman. He's going to get a, a chance at the next level. And, you know, I think if he stays healthy, he's a guy that could definitely definitely make some noise at the next level. But it's all about getting healthy for sure. Um, all right, cool. Let's get into some listener questions. Got a ton of them. Josh Harley, 95, asks, any concern that Auburn is closing the gap on Tank Bigsby? I know people were freaking out on social media because Tank Bigsby has taken a couple unofficial or official visits, whatever, to Auburn. I mean, no. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, here's the thing. I, is Auburn closing the gap? I mean, maybe. Maybe they are. But, I mean, am I worried about it? I still think Tank Bigsby is going to be a Gamecock. I, I mean, I have very, very good knowledge from people that Tank Bigsby is going to be – is most likely going to be a South Carolina Gamecock, no doubt. So, am I worried about the whole situation? No. Kids go through the recruiting process. They're told to enjoy the recruiting process. Will Muschamp probably told him to go to Auburn. I mean, they, they are told by every staff, hey, enjoy the process. Go to your visits. Make sure you make the right decision for you. These kids are going to take their visits. It is what it is. I mean, it's, it's not a big deal. Um, Jonathan Weatherford, will, will Will Muschamp actually bench Bentley if he struggles like he did last year? Good question, something I've talked about on many shows. You, you know, it's going to be interesting. Again, Jake Bentley's leash is something I talked about on the last show, but it's going to be very interesting to see just what his leash is like. Because one, on one hand, you know, on one hand, I really do believe that Will Muschamp has kind of, you know, put himself in the Jake Bentley boat no matter what. I mean, we had Michael Skarnecki on this show a couple months ago, and he talked about – the message to him was, if Jake Bentley's healthy, he is our starter. And this was after the Kentucky game. This is after Michael Skarnecchia led the Gamecocks to the win over Missouri. I mean, this, this was after all that. And he was told, if Jake's healthy, he is our starter, period, point blank. So, I, you know, but it's tough this year because you have guys – I mean, I'm, no knock on Mike, no, no knock on Michael Skarnecchia because he's our dude, but you have guys this year. You got, you've got a high-flying freshman in Ryan Holinsky who has a ton of talent. You've got to carry on Joyner who has game-breaking ability. Will they leave him in there if he struggles the way he did last year? I mean, I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know. Um, I really don't know. I just It's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough because there's already going to be fans calling for Ryan Holinsky. Fair or unfair, the backup quarterback's the most popular man on campus. We all know that. So, if Jake Bentley struggles, especially if he struggles the way he did last year, it's going to be tough. But I, I really I, – I just I, – you know what? I'm going in this season. They're going to stick with Bentley. That's really my thought process. And I really think they're going to stick with Jake Bentley no matter what. Just him being a senior a leader on the team, I just – I don't see a scenario where they pull him. Um, underscore Jay Blanc. Uh, will Brian Edwards finish first team all SEC? That's a good question. Um Right now, I'm going to say no. Uh, there's just so many good receivers. There's so many good wide receivers in the SEC. I could see him being a second-team guy. But right now, I'm going to say no just simply because, again, there are, the, the SEC is loaded with wideouts. It is. So, I think Edwards will have a fantastic year, though. I think he's going to leave South Carolina with all the records, the receptions, games with straight, you know, have, however many games he has now where he's uh, – straight games where he's caught a pass or whatever. I mean, he's going to leave with all the records. But I don't think he'll make first-team all-SEC simply because – South Carolina is one going to spread the ball around, you would hope, you would think. 
and there's just so many wide receivers to compete with in the SEC. I don't think he'll quite have the numbers. Um, still underscore Jay Blanc. Next couple of questions are from him, so I do appreciate it. Uh, over under on amount of sacks Javon Kinlaw finishes with. I think over under for Javon Kinlaw should be set at. We'd have to look at the 2018 stats. Now I don't have those. I can pull those up real quick, but I don't have them in front of me because over under I want to say three and a half. That's what I want to say. Um, let's see. Last year he finished. He finished with four. Okay, so he finished with four sacks last year. So I think over under this year for sacks, and you know, you, you think you think he's not going to have to do quite as much because he's going to be surrounded by better players. But then again, he's going to be surrounded by better players, so he should get he should get more one on one matchups. So I, I think over under four and a half. I'd say over under four and a half sacks for Javon Kinlaw. I, I you know five sacks for a guy on the interior is a big number. That's a damn good year for a guy finishing that's that's on the interior defensive line. But over under, I'll say four and a half sacks. Um, who will emerge as the lead running back again? Jay Blanc underscore Jay Blanc. Who will emerge as the lead running back? That's a great question. In my opinion, the guy who will emerge as the lead running back is not on campus yet. So <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. If it's not him, though, I think Rico Dowdle is going to be your starting running back. I really do. Um, last one from underscore Jay Blanc. How long does Bentley last as the starter? So funny, all these questions coming in. I, I think he's going to be the starter all year. I really do. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, – I said it earlier. I just think Will Muschamp has kind of put his – his stock in, in Jake Bentley. And, and, again, that's not a knock on anything. That's not a bad thing per se. But, I mean, you know, it's like Michael Skarnecchia told us. If he's healthy, he's the guy. He's the starter. And I just don't think they're going to be – I don't think they're going to be as quick trigger to yank a fourth-year senior starting quarterback as some people may think. I just, I just don't think so. I think Jake Bentley's your guy all season long. John underscore Wilgus underscore IV. Who will have a breakout season this year? That's a great question. I'm off the top of my head, I want to say Shai Smith. Um, I, I just – and I know he's been pretty good for South Carolina his first couple of years, but I think this year he is primed to have a humongous year. And it, it was – you know, we talked about it last season. There were jokes being made on social media every week that, hey, every time you throw Shai Smith the ball, good things happen. Well, I think he's going to get the ball more this year. I just think with Debo Samuel not being there, they're looking for – that playmaker type guy, you know, I've talked about all offseason. One of the biggest questions for me is who fills in the shoes of Debo Samuel? Who's that go-to guy? Who's that playmaker you go to? I think it could be Shai Smith. I think he could fill into that role and be that dude and really have huge, huge numbers. I, I really do believe that. Um, let's see. Nick Steady, linebacker corpse, weak link of the defense. Yeah, I think without a doubt. I mean, listen, you compare the linebackers to the secondary, to the front, you know, to the – the defensive line, there's no question that the linebacking corpse is a weakness. I mean, I think it could be better this year. Uh, they've got some young guys in there, obviously, and then still being led by T.J. Brunson, who's a really high-quality player, in my opinion. But, yeah, there's no doubt that the linebackers are the weakest link of the defense, if you will. Mason underscore Prescott, will we get Tavian Feaster? Um, I gave it away a little bit earlier, but I 100% think that South Carolina gets Tavian Feaster. That's my prediction. Will it happen? I don't know. But I certainly – and I'll just go ahead and say, I have good reason to believe from people that I've talked to that Tavian Feaster is coming to South Carolina. Um, I really do think that they – I think they'll land him, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, John Melvin Bibbs asks, in three years, do you think USC will be an elite team? I do. I, I really do. I mean, look at the way they're recruiting. The game is played. It's not X's and O's. It's Jimmy's and Joe's, right? South Carolina is getting all the Jimmy's and Joe's it can get. Now – 
South Carolina needs to have a decent year this year. The, the, the people in the preseason are saying, well, it's a wash. South Carolina goes six and six. The schedule, that is just not going to fly in December after the, after the season's over and South Carolina's gone six and six or, God forbid, five and seven and missed the bowl. I think it starts with this year having a solid season, showing promise, getting a win over a ranked opponent, because they're doing everything right on the recruiting trail. There is no question. You think about the talent coming in, um, who South Carolina could – has already gotten to commit and who they could potentially be getting to commit in this 2020 class. Um, I've already talked about before, this 2020 class reminds me a lot of the 2007 class for South Carolina that really was was the class for Steve Spurrier that sort of changed the culture, just changed everything for South Carolina, really led to those that, that, you know, that run from 2010 to 2013. Um, so they're doing everything right on the recruiting trail, in my opinion. You talk about 2020 – the fall of 2020, the season, you're going to have Ryan Holinsky, Luke Doty, those two guys battling for the starting quarterback position. I mean, you're in good hands. You're in good hands at that position. You're in good hands across the field, across the across the board in regards to talent. But you got to continue to progress. You got to continue to take steps. But in three years, which will be 2022, we'll say, God, who knows we're going to be in 2022? Where will the Spurs up show be in 2022? I mean, it'll still be here, but I'm saying like, that's just crazy. You think that's – we think that that's not very far away, but it feels like it's forever away, if that makes sense. But, yeah, I, I think in three years, I do think South Carolina will be a double-digit win team. I, I just do. I really do. I mean, I – you know, and, and if you don't believe that, why does Will Muschamp have a job? Like, you don't, hi, you don't hire somebody and have them in that position if you don't believe they're going to have you in that position within that spam. I mean, you think that'll be Will Muschamp's – that'll be his seventh year. I mean, if they're not on that path to being an elite team, I don't think he's going to have a year seven. I really don't. Like, I think you're going to be able to know before then. Um, <clears throat> okay. Underscore Lord, underscore Elmo, underscore. Will the Gamecocks be ready and healthy enough to beat Clemson? I mean, that's just something that is – that's something that is – you can't predict. You can't predict injuries. Who could have predicted last year with all the injuries that South Carolina had on defense? So, you know, will they? I mean – Will they be ready? I'm sure they'll be ready. Will they be healthy enough? Hopefully. Hopefully. If they're fully healthy, I think they'll be ready to play, and I think they could certainly pull the upset at home, no doubt. Um, here's a funny one. Joe Ed 22 Are you cute? It's a cute. That's my only response. Um, Preston MH9, what are the odds we land Feaster? I talked about this a little bit just a second ago. I think South Carolina gets Feaster. I really do. I think South Carolina is going to land. What are the odds, though? If I had to set the odds, I'll be honest with you, I think it's 90%. I, really, I mean, I'm confident. I'm very confident South Carolina gets Tavian Feaster. I know people are kind of questioning things because it's taking so long, but, you know, it's like Will Muschamp said. I mean, the kid's got to graduate first anyways. He hasn't graduated yet. So there really is no rush, and he can make the decision whenever. And I think someone actually said that he's planning on making the decision really like like beginning of August, the start of fall camp, which is which is kind of weird to me because like I think you'd want to go ahead and get that decision out of the way and go ahead and get on campus and start working out and be there for the first practice. But either way, um I I, I just I'd set it at ninety percent that I think Feaster comes to Columbia. So um okay, cool. Got a fantastic interview with former Gamecock shortstop Joey Pancake. You guys remember Pancake? Um, for the 2012 College World Series team that I mentioned earlier, had a fantastic career, hit uh, hit just under 300 for the Gamecocks. You know, played got drafted in 2014 by the Detroit Tigers. Phenomenal interview, Joey, a fantastic dude. He's now coaching 
um, with actually former Gamecocks catcher Hunter Taylor as well, who we're trying to get on the show as well. But Joey, an awesome dude, an awesome interview, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Like I mentioned earlier, SeatGeek, the best ticket buying app by far, the only ticket buying app I use, and the only one that I would recommend to South Carolina fans. Go download the SeatGeek app, use the promo code SPURSUP to save $10 off your first purchase. They've got tickets to literally anything and everything you can think of from South Carolina Gamecocks sporting events, MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, uh, concerts, comedy club events, festivals, anything and everything you need tickets to, they've got it. They've actually got a great ticket rating system as well where they rate the tickets for you uh, based on the type of deal you're getting. So you know before you click the buy button exactly what you're getting. You know if you're getting a really, really good deal, if you're getting a steal, if you will. You know if you're paying a little bit over what the market's asking for the tickets on other websites. So you don't make that that mistake and overpay for your tickets. It really, it's really that simple. Again, they're the only place I'd recommend to buy tickets. So go download SeatGeek or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP when you check out S-P-U-R-S-U-P to save $10 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecock shortstop Joey Pancake. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2012 to 2014. He was a career 292 hitter for the Gamecocks, hit 18 home runs, 100 RBIs, and was silky smooth in the field for South Carolina at shortstop. He was also drafted in the 2014 MLB draft in the seventh round by the Detroit Tigers, where he spent a long career in the minor leagues. I'm very, very excited to welcome the show, former Gamecocks shortstop Joey Pancake. Joey, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about all things Gamecocks and Gamecock baseball especially. Absolutely. So, Joey, let's start with this. You're you're a kid from Easley, South Carolina. You played your high school baseball at Easley High School, and you were a guy obviously coming up in high school. Um, you got to South Carolina in 2000, fall of 2011, but you were a guy that while you were in high school, South Carolina was in the beginning of their run winning back-to-back national titles. I'll just ask you, you know, throughout your recruitment process – with being a South Carolina kid, the success that South Carolina had, I mean, was it ever a doubt for you that you were going to be a Gamecock? Um, well, I don't know if you recall, but I was initially committed to the College of Charleston, and then um, I had a little bit of a change of heart when I, I guess it was right about the time South Carolina was in there uh, making their first national championship run. And uh, they kind of got my attention and um, my – I just had a change of plan, so I ended up at South Carolina, and it was dream come true, really. Did you grow up a South Carolina fan, or was that just something just uh, just kind of came about when South Carolina started having that success? Just like you said, started paying more attention and decided to come to come to Columbia. Yeah, I've always been a South Carolina fan. It um, it was tough being there and easily being so close to Clemson, and I have a lot of uh, family that are Clemson fans, but. I've all, I've always been a Gamecock, and I, pro, I always will be. No doubt. So you get on campus, like I said, fall of 2011. 2012 is your first season. Uh, I know, again, you were a guy that you were actually taken in the 2011 MLB draft in the 42nd round by the Texas Rangers, a guy that was a very highly rated recruit, rated the number one shortstop in the state of South Carolina, the number three best high school prospect in the state of South Carolina. Um, just talk about what the transition was like for you, you know, going from high school baseball, going from high school life to college life, college baseball, SEC baseball, especially what, what was that transition like for you? Would you say? Oh man, it was, uh, I, I, I had the opportunity to play with a lot of great players that fall coming in. So that really helped before opening day came about. And, uh, a couple of them kind of took me under their wing, Michael Roth being one of them. He was there to help me with the, 
off the field stuff, talk about class and just everyday life. And uh, I had, I guess I had a pretty good mentor. He was a pretty good Gamecock, I'd say. And I think a lot of people would agree with me. And, uh, but the game, the game itself, is just so much faster in college. I remember the first ground ball that was hit to me on opening day. And I kind of took my time and had to rush the throw a little bit. And the guy almost beat it out. And I was like, oh boy, I better pick it up a little bit. <laughs> they didn't really hit me until then. Um, but it was a pretty, it was a pretty good transition. I also had some really good coaches to help me along the way. For sure. So talk about for you, Joey, you know, I, I think pressure may be the wrong word, but maybe I guess the pressure you may have felt, you know, you're coming into a program who, you know, needs a starting shortstop. Obviously, I mean, that, that was very evident in how much you played. I mean, you played in all, you know, you played in 66 games, started 62 of them. So you played in a ton of games for South Carolina, started as a true freshman, but you're coming into a program, needs a starting shortstop. This program has won back-to-back -back national championships, and you know the expectations, you know, are simply to get back to Omaha and do it all again. I mean, did you, did you feel the pressure of that, or was that almost kind of a, you know, was something you embraced when you got to Columbia? Um, it's something you just have to embrace. Uh, the pressure is going to be there. I mean, obviously the team really wants to go back to Omaha. That's our goal every year is to make the postseason and put a good run together and get to Omaha. But, uh, coach Tanner did a really good job of kind of taking that pressure away, just taking it one series at a time and not looking too far ahead. And he never really, he never really put that on us. Like, Hey, we have to get here or, or our season's no good. He just wanted us to go out and play the best that we could and um, get, and that kind of helped. And we got the results that we wanted that year. For sure. So you mentioned Coach Tanner. Like I said, I've had a bunch of different guys that have played for Coach Tanner in different eras. I think it's always interesting to hear kind of their their interactions, relationships with him, if you will. Talk about what Coach Tanner meant to you and uh, I guess your relationship with him then and now. Oh, Coach Tanner, Coach Tanner was awesome from the day I got on campus. He uh, he always shot you straight. There was never he didn't he didn't hold anything back. He always knew where you stood, and he looked you eye to eye, and he would tell you exactly what he was thinking. So I respected that a lot. He he was a big part of helping my transition into college, and uh, he was also a big part of getting me back into college when I called him and told him that I wanted to come back and finish up school once I was finished with baseball he uh he got me in touch with the right people and it happened right away for sure so as a hitter you know you came in uh Joey obviously rated the number one shortstop in high school but I, I watched a little bit of your you know some of the highlights of you in high school you pitched as well I mean was it always the plan for you to be be a shortstop be an infielder did you come in as kind of a, a two-way guy what what was the plan for you what what did they lay out the plan for you when you got there um, we talked a little bit about the pitching side of it, but I always knew that I wanted to hit and they wanted me to hit. They wanted me to play shortstop and it just kind of worked out that way. We had, we had some really good arms while I was here and it wasn't, I wasn't really needed to throw any. So I got to focus all on shortstop and that helped, that helped me out a lot in the field. I don't, some of these guys that do play two positions, they got, they got a really tough workload and I'm, kind of surprised that they're able to do it at that level more power to those guys but I'm glad I got to focus on shortstop no doubt so Joey we have to get to the point in the interview I, I would be very very I can't miss out on the opportunity to ask you about National Pancake Day um, something <laughs> that I'm sure you know you guys in a two-to-one win over Presbyterian you hit a home run 
uh, which it happened to be on National Pancake Day. I guess the first question is, I'm sure when you hit that home run and it just it happened to fall on that day. I mean, let's it's a fact. Your name is Pancake. We can't. Your last name is Pancake. We can't ignore <laughs> that fact. But I mean, how much did you think about it in that moment? And then I mean, how crazy was it to see it grow? to what it is now because I feel like it's like the running joke where, you know, each player has something that every time they're mentioned, there's the footnote that comes with it. And with you, it is now at the bat for the Gamecocks, Joey Pancake. Oh, by the way, did you know he hit a home run on <laughs> National Pancake Day? Like, how, how funny was that to see that kind of evolve like that? Honestly, honestly, I didn't even think about it in the moment. It wasn't until I think it was probably the next day. It could have been that night. Um he started seeing things on Twitter and all this. And then I guess it was our next televised game. A bunch of my friends were like, if they talk about this one more time, I'm going to go crazy. And <laughs> it was just one of those things, but I really didn't think about it in the moment, but now it's still a thing to this day. Every year, whenever the day is, what is it in March sometime or something like that? Uh, my Twitter, my Twitter just kind of goes crazy. Everybody still has a good time with it. So I get a good laugh out of it. Yeah, February 28th is the day. I, I know they did an interview with you. Uh, I believe it was after some time. Or I, I know you had said you go to IHOP and get pancakes on National Pancake Day. Is that, is that still something you partake in or no? No, I got tired of waiting in lines. I'd rather go another <laughs> day when I don't have to wait so long. <laughs> no doubt. So I want to talk about that 2012 season. You know, very good one for you, Joey. Like I said, started basically every game for South Carolina. You made SEC All-Freshman Team. You were also NCAA regional all-tournament team. But I want to talk about on the road to get there, one of my favorite pictures from the 2012 season, and especially of you as well, is the uh, the picture of you after LB Danzler hits the walk-off hit against Clemson um, in the regionals, you holding up your arm, touching home plate. Uh, I think that's when we put up during Clemson Carolina week for the baseball series. Just talk about the, the, the rivalry. I mean, it's the best rivalry in college baseball, no doubt. Talk about your experiences in the rivalry, being able to beat those guys on the way to the College World Series as well. Yeah, that was – I mean, that's always that's always a fun series. And then to be able to match up with them in the postseason. And we beat them twice that year, I believe. And uh, that was – I mean, that was awesome, to be able to beat them twice in the postseason and have that success against them. And I was just blessed to be there in that situation. And LB got the big hit. And, I mean, I don't remember a more electric environment than – Carolina Stadium that day well I guess Founders Park now but um, it was unbelievable that was awesome would you say that was your best memory from the uh, the Carolina Clemson rivalry because obviously as we know it is high emotion high intensity I mean there's a lot of jawing back and forth but would you say that tops the tops the list as far as memories from the Carolina Clemson rivalry yeah I would have to say so um, I believe that was the same game that I had a long at bat and ended up hitting the tie and run in. I believe it was the bottom of the ninth with two outs to keep that game going. And I came up again later that game and LB got the hit. So all of that into one, it was, uh, it was a pretty, that was a pretty good experience all around, especially my first year as a Gamecock. For sure. So like I mentioned, your freshman year, you hit 264, two homers, 27 RBIs, and I already mentioned the accolades. What do you think led to you having such, such a smooth transition, you know, coming in and playing at that level? And again, you were part of a team that went all the way to the College World Series final. What would you attribute to, you know, such a quick and smooth transition for you? Um, like I said earlier, the group of guys that I got to play with that year, it was crazy. Uh, we all came together really well. 
all the veterans that were there, like Christian Walker and Evan Marzilli, Michael Roth, Matt Price, all those guys. Um, they took us younger guys in like we were one of them, and we ended up being one of them really soon. They It was an incredible transition. And also the coaching staff. Uh, I got to work with Drew Meyer a lot one-on-one -on -one that year. I mean, he was unbelievable baseball player, great knowledge about the game. So working with him was awesome, and that's what helped me probably, probably the most, being able to work with him, pick his brain a little bit, and get all the extra work in that he would come out there and help me with. For sure. So like I mentioned, you you were part of that team, went to the College World Series finals in 2012, just, you know, as a guy that's been there, you know, not every single college baseball player gets to go to Omaha. Really not many do just, you know, I know you guys didn't get the ultimate prize that you wanted, but I mean, just, just kind of talk about your experience in Omaha and what, what that was like for you. I mean, it was something that the guys that had been there, because obviously they went there two years before for both years and, uh, they talked about it on the times leading up, like, hey, we got to get back here. You you won't believe the environment and all that. And they talked it up to be unbelievable and great and just fantastic. And then you get there and it exceeds everything that they say. It was – the environment was absolutely incredible. It was uh, just great baseball fans all around. There was no booing. It was – they just cheered for the game of baseball mainly. For sure. So moving into 2013, Joey, you know, again, South Carolina at this point has won two national titles, been to three straight national title appearances, which I think 2012 honestly is slept on by a lot of people because, you know, the back-to-back -back national championships gets mentioned, but I, you know, making it all the way there, even if you don't win, I mean, you guys ran into a red-hot Arizona team that obviously had a ton of, ton of talent. That one doesn't get talked about as much. Do you think people sleep on the 2012 team at all? Because, again, I just feel like it doesn't because it's it's overshadowed by the back-to-back -back national titles. But again, to make it there three years in a row is something special. Yeah, and, and I don't I don't know if you remember, but we started out one and five in the SEC that year. We got we went on the road and got swept by Kentucky, and then lost two out of three at home to Florida. And then I I want to we won a crazy amount of like uh, a crazy amount of SEC games in a row after that. We had several sweeps, and I don't know if we lost another SEC series until um, LSU came. I think LSU came to us that year for the SEC title, and we lost two out of three to them at home. I think that might have been the last one we lost. Yeah, and you guys finished the season 18-11 and 11 in the SEC, which was good enough to uh, be the Eastern Division champions. So, again, 2012 was a – what was a very, very good year for you guys. I'll move to 2013. I mean, again, it's a program that's won two national titles, been to three straight. I mean, I don't even think I have to ask, Joey. The expectations were pretty simple. Get back to Omaha and win it all, right? Yeah, yeah. And then after being there, that made the guys that had already been there want to be there that much more. So, um, when I mean, playing that long into the season, you you feel like it was my sophomore season, but I felt like, an older player than that, just having that experience under my belt at that point. No doubt. So, Joey, you're actually the first guy that I've had on the show that's played for South Carolina baseball that went through the transition from Ray Tanner to Chad Holbrook. Obviously, after the 2012 season, Ray Tanner decides to step down from Gamecocks baseball, becomes the athletic director. 
and Chad Holbrook takes over as head coach. Were you surprised at all? I mean, did that catch you by surprise that Ray Tanner decided to hang up the hang up the cleats, if you will, as far as coaching was concerned? Um, a little bit, just mainly because I knew I know how much he loves the game of baseball and um even even the games that I go back now, i I went to a few this year and I saw him at every single one of them. So I don't think that's any coincidence. He still loves the game of baseball. He just had a different career opportunity and um he decided to pursue that. But um I thought I thought we were in good hands either way. Yeah, talk about Chad Holbrook obviously taking over again. I mean, 2013 was a good year for you guys again, especially for you personally. You guys go 43 and 20, 17 and 12. I mean, you know, you you didn't miss a beat at all. Hit 311, 11 homers, 42 RBIs. I'm not sure if you'd agree, but statistically your best year as a Gamecock. I mean, but talk about your head coach, Chad Holbrook. I mean, I've talked to some others before who – you know, obviously everyone speaks very highly of Chad Holbrook. There's a reason he got the job. It was on the staff at North Carolina when they went to the national title. Obviously on the staff at South Carolina when they went back-to-back national titles. I mean, you guys had to feel really good about not only the relationships he had built with all the players, but had to feel good about him taking over just in general. Yeah, yeah. He's been a part of um, several, like, very successful teams. So, I thought I thought he was he was the guy that was – uh right for the job and it was good timing for him uh he had all of his guys there that he had brought in and he got to lead us into battle and we had a good season we just came up a game short of making it a trip back to Omaha we had a couple of balls not fall our way and had a couple of errors that hurt us in that last game but uh I'd say it was a pretty good first season for him making it to the last game of a super regional Yep, yep, no doubt. And I want to get to that series in just a second, Joey, but let's talk about you personally because, like I mentioned, you absolutely tore it up. I mean, 311, 11 homers, 42 ribbies, um, absolutely crushed it. Talk about kind of what the changes were from your freshman to sophomore year to make such a jump, I guess, and just really what clicked for you in 2013. Yeah, um, I don't know. I have to give a lot of credit to my hitting coach, uh, Brian Busher, who I'm coaching with him now. He uh, his hitting philosophies and all that, all that to go with it are really good. And he knows how to translate it to the players. And uh, it just clicked with me. I had, a, I had a good season at the plate that year. And I don't think I could have done it alone. So him and the other coaches as well, they did a really good job of helping me out that year. For sure. So kind of off the wall question here, Joey, I think it's kind of funny, even South Carolina's best teams in school history, <clears throat> for whatever reason, South Carolina struggled in Hoover. For whatever reason, the SEC tournament. You, while you were there, you guys went one and seven um, in Hoover. The only time y'all won a game was 2012. You beat Auburn in the second game uh, when right when Michael Roth pitched. No shock. And uh, but just, I mean, do you have any explanation to why Hoover has been such a house of horrors for Carolina? I mean, is it something specifically about Hoover? You think? I. I really I don't have an answer for that. It was just something that uh I remember when we won that game in 2012, everybody was really surprised that we won a game. <laughs> and it wasn't that we didn't want to win. I mean, we were always threatened every year if we uh don't play well, we're headed back and we got two a day starting the next day. So, it wasn't that we didn't want to win. We just I don't know what it is about that place. That place it's cursed. No wins for <laughs> South Carolina there. Yeah, like like I said, even the best teams, the twenty, you know, while you were there, twenty twelve, but twenty ten, twenty eleven, does not matter which South Carolina team. It's just 
it's always a tough go there. But, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, n- another very, very good year for South Carolina. Again, you guys uh, sweep through the regional. I mean, really take care of business and then go up to Chapel Hill for the Super Regional. Um, lose game one, six, five, win game two, eight to nothing. Um, and then lose in a really, really close ball game five, four in game three. You talked about, like you said, there were a couple balls that kind of dropped in a couple errors, just, you know, talk about, I know definitely that series had to mean a little bit extra because it's sort of the border war, if you will, with South Carolina, North Carolina, the battle of the two Carolinas, but just talk about that series. And I guess, you know, just kind of try to explain in words just how tough it was to, uh, like you mentioned, just fall a game short. Yeah, it was really tough. We came out and lost the first one, and then uh, Jordan Montgomery, I think he went a complete game shutout mm-hmm. the second game, if I remember correctly. Um, I mean, and then you, we, I remember there was uh, – I can't remember how many days, but we got rained out like two or three days in a row. And I don't know if it was just something that we just lost focus from being there for so long or what happened, but. We didn't play our best game the last game, and uh, it showed. I think if we play our best game, we're in another uh, College World Series that year. No doubt. So, moving into 2014, Joey, you know, again, your junior season hit 303, five homers, 31 RBIs. Um, I'll ask this question simply, you know, going into the 2014 season, how much, if any, was the MLB draft on your mind? Because you know, I know your junior season is really the year to go out there, ball out. You know, you have all, you have all the leverage, obviously, as a junior. You really, if you can, you don't want to wait till a senior to sign with a pro team. How much, if any, was that on your mind at, when you went into your junior year? I mean, it, it's always in the back of your mind. I guess, I guess it was every year, though, because um, that's always the dream. We all wanted to play in the big leagues, so – uh, I mean, it was there, but you just got to try not to al- let it affect the way you play and your attitude because you got to remember you're still there for your team, um, team sport. You want to be a good team player and do everything you can to help the team win. So, uh, but I'd be lying if you said none of us thought about it because everybody does because it is that dream that everybody wants. No doubt. So the 2014 season, again, it's funny. I think, again, people only focus on 2010, 2011, but they forget just really just how good every single team you were on as well. You know, after those national title years, I mean, again, 44 and 18, 18 and 12 in conference. Unfortunately, you guys ran into, you know, Florida had a really good year that year. They went 21 and nine. I guess before I get into the postseason, I'm curious to hear from you as well, Joey. You know, I feel like the battles between South Carolina and Florida and South Carolina and Vanderbilt, I mean, really just through all out the SEC. I mean, those were some great baseball games. Just talk about playing in the SEC in those matchups. Because, I mean, again, you know better than anybody, Joey, every single, for example, Friday night. I mean, you're facing a guy that's, you know, going to the big leagues or going, getting drafted and has an opportunity, going to have a chance to be in the big leagues. I'm sure there's plenty of guys that you faced throughout your college career who are still pitching, making a living doing it. Just – Talk about what that grind is like of playing SEC baseball. Yeah, I mean, it was tough. I mean, going back to 2012, you get to see uh, – I'm trying to think of all the guys that really stood out. And, I mean, two of them were at LSU, Kevin Gosman and Aaron Nola. I mean, those are two pretty good arms, and they're probably going to pitch for several more years. Uh, then you got Tyler Beatty at Vanderbilt and all those guys, man. They were – they had there's some there's tons of arms in the SEC and uh, 
you got it'll 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 uh, make you grow up real quick because you're facing grown men at that point. They're all up there throwing 95, 96, and uh, it's big transition to that. For sure. So the 2014 season, I want to mention as well, you were named to the SEC All-Defensive Team, Joey. You were always a really, really good player in the field for South Carolina. You only made 10 errors in 2014. Talk about, I guess, just because you talked about you're a hitter, you wanted to hit, but talk about your approach in the field. And I guess, I, I feel like, I would imagine you're a guy that took a lot of pride in your defense as well. Well, that's what I had to work at the most. Um, I wasn't I, I was more gifted hitting than I was fielding and it showed at times and I knew I had to put in the work and just go out there and play with more confidence and just let the results happen. For sure. So that 2014 season, again, you know, did not end the way that you guys wanted it to. Again, you lose two in Hoover and then Lose out in the regionals, which is something that ha- which was something that hadn't happened in Columbia in a long time. You guys lose to Maryland there um, again. Not you know not to you know obviously it's a sour note, but I mean just talk about again how to try to summarize how tough it is to the people listening. You know you come to South Carolina of College World Series dreams, winning it, winning it all, and then to lose out to end your career at South Carolina. I mean, I'm sure that had to be a tough pill to swallow, even though you were following with the draft and it gotten drafted, stuff like that. I'm sure that was a tough pill to swallow for you emotionally. Yeah, I mean, that one hurt. That one hurt really bad. Almost as bad as <laughs> getting so close to winning a national championship and losing. Uh, I mean, all losses hurt, and nobody likes to lose, but that that one was really up there. Um, I thought it was a regional that we probably could have won or should have won. And uh, we just fell a little bit short. We didn't play our best baseball, and we didn't get the timely hits that we'd been getting that whole year, and things didn't go our way. No doubt. So you were drafted again seventh round in the 2014 MLB draft by the Detroit Tigers. I mean, simply put, it's something you've worked for your entire life. You get the call. Just kind of try to put into words what that day was like when you get the call and kind of what your emotions were. Yeah, I mean, I was – I was sitting at home and uh I got the call and I was I was really excited. I I couldn't I couldn't wait to uh to get on a plane. I mean it was tough knowing that I wasn't gonna be back playing at South Carolina the next year here in Columbia. I mean, as close as I had gotten with everybody here, but uh I knew it was something that I wanted to do and that I wanted to get into right away. No doubt. So we talked about earlier, Joey, your transition from high school to college. Obviously, it's another huge jump to make from college to professional baseball, even when you're at low A, single A, high A, double A, any of the MLB, whatever. Talk about what the transition was like for you, because again, you're going from SEC baseball to pro baseball. You're going from playing every, you know, couple days to every single day. I mean, just talk about what was that transition like for you? Yeah, that that was the hardest part, playing every single day. Um, being able to show up and get your body health and keep your body healthy to play every day. Um, from going from playing maybe five maybe five games a week to uh, every single day. Sometimes I think the longest stretch I had uh, in my first season of pro ball, I think we went like 28 days in a row with a game, which is just absolutely – it's thinking looking back at it now I don't know how my body stayed healthy at all but um it was it was fun 
it was fun. I had a really good team uh, that I was a part of my first two seasons, and we had some really good, we had some really successful seasons those years. Yeah, no. So you were with uh, Connecticut to start out with, and Loway did well there. Hit two ninety two for those guys. Um, twenty fifteen West Michigan and single A ball did really well again. Two sixty eight. Um, then went up to high A with Lakeland for your last two seasons. When I mean, when you look back on your minor league career, uh, just kind of summarize it for you. How, when you look back on it now, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on how your minor league career panned out? Um. I had, I mean, I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of really good people. Um, I met, I learned a lot about baseball and I'm fortunate enough to be able to share that with uh, some of the younger guys here in Columbia now. And now that I'm coaching a little bit and helping out some guys, um, but just learning a lot and getting that experience. It was really great. I got to see a lot of cool places as well. And the, the stories from the minor leagues as far as the bus rides and peanut butter and jellies, just let everybody – I know for a fact, I know you can probably explain. that. That's definitely not something that is just uh, kind of cliche talk about the minors. That, that is real life. That was real life for you guys every single day pretty much, I'd imagine. Oh, 100%. That's real life. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was every single day. I've never eaten more peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in my life. <laughs> for sure. I still – I still think I'm like scared. I don't make them anymore. I've I made them every day for so long. I'm like, man, I got to take a couple of years off from this. <laughs> for sure. So again, you know, 2017 was your last year with Lakeland at High A. Um, you played in 77 games, hit 195 that year, and decided to hang up the cleats after that season. Just just talk about. I know you dealt with injuries and things of that nature, Joey. But talk about just how tough it was to make the decision. You know, pull the trigger and hang up the cleats. Um, well, I've, I've played and I've had four seasons and had a lot of fun, but the injuries that I've dealt with the last couple of years, it, uh, it, it definitely, that definitely made it a lot easier to not play anymore. Not being able to keep your body healthy for a full season, it's kind of terrible being on the DL for so long and just hanging out in rehab. For sure. So I know, Joey, you're still involved in the game of baseball. You talked about before your coaching. We talked off air, talked about your coaching uh, youth baseball. Just kind of let South Carolina fans, everybody know sort of what you've been up to and, uh, you know, where you're coaching at nowadays. Um, I help out over at Heathwood Hall here in Columbia. Um, I'm the head coach of the B team and then help out with the varsity team. Um, other than that, I do. We've been running some camps in the summer and, uh, coaching a little bit of travel ball. I got 12 on the team this summer that I'm really excited to coach. We just had our first game this past weekend. Nice, nice. What would you say as far as coaching? I mean, is that something that you, uh, you know, kind of want to stick in, find a career in, or just kind of have a career in, be a head coach somewhere someday? Or um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it's going to take me, but uh, I, do, I do enjoy it. I love being able to help out the little guys and uh teach them a little bit about baseball no doubt so joey real quick before we let you go your favorite memory i know there's so many good memories especially from that 2012 team in omaha but if you had to pick one your favorite memory as a gamecock while you played for south carolina oh that's i mean it's got to be the dog call after we beat oklahoma to go to the world series that that's got to be it that was that was incredible 
For sure. So lastly, Joey, before I let you go, I, I can't let you go without asking, you know, obviously you played for Ray Tanner. We've heard some hilarious Ray Tanner stories. Do you have any, do you have any Ray Tanner stories that uh, you, you can tell on the air that he, he wouldn't mind uh, you sharing with us? <laughs> um, well, I remember one time he told me I was the worst freshman he's ever coached in his entire coaching career. Uh, and I and I still don't understand it to this day because he's the one that writes the line of how he put me in there so many times. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Well, Joey, really do appreciate you taking the time again, man. I know I can speak for all South Carolina fans uh, when I say it was a pleasure to watch you play short, shortstop for Carolina. Again, a lot of good memories. And, uh, again, really appreciate the time. Good, Best of luck with Heathwood Hall. and would love to have you back on, my man. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. All right, so for Joey Pancake, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next week on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.